Jazz game night post game show. Jake Scott, Patrick Kinahan with you. The Jazz beat the Pelicans 106 to 104. They moved to 42 and 23 on this restarted season. Uh, Jazz game night post game brought to you by our friends at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. We'll get you some uh, post-game sound coming up here shortly, but let's get to your... Oh, in fact, uh, we'll hold on the stats of the game. Let's throw back to Orlando. Quinn Snyder addressing the media. Questions. The first one is from Tony Jones, The Athletic. Hey, Coach, two-part question for you. Um, can What was it about your, your guys' resilience uh, to fight through uh, a really rough stretch in, in, in the uh, second and third quarters and and uh, I saw that you changed up your coverages a little bit on Ingram. Uh, how were you guys able to be more successful with him in the second half than the first half? Well, to be honest, Tony, we didn't change any coverages. We just started being more disciplined. You know, I thought there was a stretch where we were just doing a lot of reaching. Um, and, you know, we were off balance and they were getting getting to the rim. They, I think they had half their points in the first half from the paint. So I, I just think we got more solid um, as the game progressed. You know, we kind of set a goal in the fourth quarter. So, you know, let's let's have our best defensive quarter, you know. And, and I think as the game went on, um, you know, we, we did become more solid. Our defensive rebounding at the end, um, Royce getting on the glass uh, was really good. We got hurt a lot in transition um, during the middle part of the game where they hit some threes. But as you said, you know, th- this is a team that, um, you know, this is, is going to have to find itself and to be able to come back like that um, and really to do it on the defensive end and then have some, you know, some explosive basketball from Jordan Clarkson. I thought Donovan played um, just terrific. He and Mike both, um, you know, and for Donovan to find Rudy at the end of the game there is, is a heck of a play. And then Rudy goes in, you know, makes the two free throws. So lots of things we can build on, um, but obviously also have work to do. Next is from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Welcome back, Coach. Uh, I just want to ask you just the first time back uh, in an actual game that really counts and just what your thoughts are on the chemistry and flow from the group tonight. Well, it seemed like more than a singular game. You know, there, there's been so much that's happened um, since we last played uh, with COVID and all the people that have been fighting for that with the social justice issues. The anthem was powerful. You know, it's an honor to be there with coaches and players. Um, so it did feel like um, something more than just a singular game. And, um, you know, I just, we feel really blessed and fortunate to be able to be playing right now. Um, you know, so many people uh, fighting through challenging and difficult times. Next we'll go Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, you kind of alluded to this a little bit, but just given everything that had happened, especially with the relationship between Don and Rudy, was it poetic at all to you to have, you know, the game come down to Donovan feeding Rudy the ball on the on the ultimate play? I don't know if, if I'd say poetic. Um, I think either one of those guys are writing poetry, but they certainly had some synergy on the court and uh, – you know, it, it, I'd love them to, to write poetry there. Uh, and but just to see him connected like that um, was really was really good. And I, I think we've we've moved on from from all that stuff. And we've been here practicing and working. And, you know, we've talked about using 
this entire experience to get better. And I think those two guys have done that too. They just, sometimes it's just what you do on the court and getting more connected and um, even from an execution standpoint. And that's one of the things we're seeing. Next is a question from Sarah Todd, Deseret News. Quinn, in those moments when you don't have Rudy on the floor, I mean, especially early on in the game, the defense was having a really rough time uh, holding anything down. Is there anything that you can do for that group or that you can change for that group, or is it just about them kind of getting in a rhythm and executing better? Well, there's always, you know, adjustments that you can try to make. You know, as I said, this is the first time when we talk about that group. Um, you know, our bench has had great moments. Um, you know, about the six minute mark, I thought offensively the ball started to stick. And then when you're not making shots, which we didn't, um, it becomes even more difficult to defend on the other end. So um, I think I think we can do better in a lot of areas on the game. And I know the guys that were in there during that period, I, I, you know, all you have to do is kind of look to the second half um, and see what happened then. That's the same group that, that really cut into that lead and, and guys competed and did some good things. Tim McMahon, ESPN. Thank you. Um, Donovan had eight straight points there down the stretch before he hit Rudy. Uh, what did you think of Donovan's kind of combination of assertiveness and, and decision-making uh, down the stretch with the game on the line? You know, as I said before, I, I think Donovan was terrific. And, you know, it's making those decisions, you know, we, we kind of talk about it like it's just – you know, we're sitting around and making a decision the way you, you know, order dinner. And it's just not like that. So for him to be able to, to get in the lane and make the right read and, you know, and attack the rim. And then also, as you said, um, you know, to make the play that he did late and drop the ball off to Rudy and then have Rudy make the two free throws. That, that shows a lot of confidence in your teammate. Um, and maybe I'll change my mind and say it is poetic, but I don't want to overstate it too much. Those guys have done that hundreds and hundreds of times the last two years, um, you know, the, the, the time that they've been playing together. And uh, it's great to see them, you know, connecting on the court. And we had a lot of that. You know, I thought Mike did the same thing. And, you know, we started getting more comfortable in finding each other. Dan Wykey, Los Angeles Times. Hi, Quinn. I hate to use the word poetic, too, but Rudy scored the first two points of the restart. Um, was that a play that you wanted to get him the ball um, in, in that position there? Yeah, you know, I think part of Rudy, you know, we challenge him to, you know, to play through things. And, and there's long stretches where he, you know, he doesn't get to handle the ball. And you know, that's the nature of his position and, and what his skill set is. And you know, it's hard to be patient in those situations. Everybody wants to have an opportunity to make an impact on offense. And he he impacts the game so many ways, but oftentimes it's not, you know, with his scoring. So to the extent that we can get him some touches early, give him an opportunity to finish. And it's good to see him, him making his free throws is a huge thing. But, you know, whether it's after a timeout at the beginning of the game, beginning of the half, where we have a chance to, to do something for him and try to orchestrate a little something to help him, you know, we want to do that. Which our last question is from Ben Anderson, KSLSports.com. Quinn, it seemed like the second unit struggled in the first half, but Jordan really came on in the second half and gave you a big boost. What, what did you see from him in that group? Well, one of, one of the biggest problems we had in the first half, and it's always, you know, it's a subtle thing, but it's such an important thing, is our spacing. 
Um, and when we don't space well, you know, there aren't driving lines. And when Jordan has space on the floor to work, you know, he's really difficult to guard. And that's what you saw in the second half. Even, you know, George Yang, for example, didn't, didn't make shots tonight. Royce didn't make shots early. Um, we had a lot of guys that, that had some looks that, you know, we're confident they can take. But regardless, they have to be spaced. And some of those shots were harder than they needed to be. But as we did a better job of spacing the floor, JC was able to, you know, to, to create and get to the rim. Appreciate it, Coach. That was Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder as his team beat the Pelicans tonight, 106-104. Jake Scott, Patrick Kinahan with you. PK, what would you think about what Coach Snyder had to say? Well, I mean, he articulates what's going on very, very well, talking about how they weren't hitting shots and the ball wasn't moving. And then in the second half, that had changed. You know, I get it. Locke pointed it out how I brought it up, the Mitchell to go bear. Under all the circumstances, it seems that that was somewhat of a Hollywood ending. We know all that, but at the same time, as Quinn Snyder said, they've done that a hundred times, and so it was the right basketball play. Uh, whether the fates allowed it or what have you, I don't think that. Well, we've got to show people that we're in unison here. No, I don't think that was it at all. It was a play that needed to be made. Mitchell made it, and so that was something that took place just kind of naturally and it was good to see from the jazz perspective and then i agree with him you know as far as it was more than a singular game because there was a lot of hype going into this and the jazz they're chosen to play the first game Uh, even if we hadn't had the george floyd situation and it was just the first game it still would have been a lot of hype now you add in the other stuff that we know has gone on in our country no matter what you think of that, and that's not the point here right now, it just added to, if you want to use the word drama, I pro- I probably I would use the word attention. And it turns out, turns out that for, I want to say the people who went, but that would be nobody, <laughs> but for the rest of us, we got our money's worth. Well, PK, that is a win for and one the... Other thing, one, other, Go ahead. one other thing I wanted to say, there was a lot of equality out on that floor tonight. Did you notice that? I just noticed that, yeah. Uh, PK, of course, you mentioned the Jazz win. When the Jazz win, you win. Little Caesars is giving you free pizza. Order one custom-round multi-topping pizza through the Little Caesars app, and you will receive a free, large, extra-most bestest pepperoni pizza using the promo code UTAHJAZZ. Valid at all participating Utah Little Caesars locations. Mobile orders only. PK, let's uh, get to the uh, sharp stats of the game brought to you by the Les Olson Company. Les Olson Company, your office technology partner. Uh, tonight, the Jazz shot 44% from the field. They were 23.5% from three, eight of 34. Uh, they were led by both Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell. Actually, excuse me, they were led by Jordan Clarkson with 23. Conley and Mitchell had 20. Rudy Gobert had 14 points to go along with 12 rebounds and uh, and three block shots. You know, PK, uh, I was wondering how much rust we'd see. I don't think we saw a ton from the Jazz best players. You heard uh, Coach Snyder talk about Clarkson a little bit in that first half where maybe some shots weren't going down, but he certainly bounced back in the second half. The, the the rust factor I didn't feel was too high. The three-point number wasn't great, but overall I think uh, the Jazz best players played pretty well. 
Well, I think that's actually a great sign that you win the ball game when the threes aren't falling because anybody can win a ball game when the threes are falling. We've seen that a thousand times. It takes some fortitude to find ways to win when the threes aren't falling, and it's a good sign for a couple of reasons because you found a way to win, you made the adjustments, and then also, too, if you're a good shooting ball club, it's like in baseball, you know, if you're a 300 hitter and you start – start the first part of the season slumping, you're probably going to get hot later on. Well, they're going to have some games when that three's dropping like crazy, and so it's good to get a win on a night that it wasn't. Back to Orlando we go. Donovan Mitchell's talking to the media. Um, all right, cool. Well, we'll go ahead and get started here. Uh, we're going to have first question coming from Tony Jones, the athletic. Hey, Donovan. Hold on, sorry. I got my speaker a little bit. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're good. Uh, what does it say that you guys – uh, could win a game like this without playing particularly well uh, through most of the game? Just resiliency. You know, I think the team, like I said, we've, we've been through tough stretches throughout the year. This was, you know, just trying to find our groove. We had it to really start the game, and then after that kind of went down downhill, and they started to kind of dictate, you know, us, our game on both ends of the floor. So we started to just compete. You know, it's not always going to go your way every night, but as long as you keep fighting, you'll find a way to get back in the front. Great. Next question will be from Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Don, I know you talked about this a little bit, but it seemed like that second half, you guys really started to make more of a concerted effort to get to the rim. Uh, what, what was the difference there? And then also just, you know, found a way when the three wasn't falling, right? And guys like uh, with the offensive rebounds with, by Mike Conley, that was huge. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just kind of putting pressure on them. You know, when they all kind of go to the boards, at least Rudy, Tony, and Royce, and like you said, Mike had one as well. Just kind of get on the old boards and just trying to make a make a play. And then on, on the flip side of that, I think defensively, I think we got on the boards and we guarded it particularly well, which allowed us to kind of get out and transition, make certain plays, and continue to find those driving lanes. Okay, next question, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Donovan, you had that stretch uh, late in the fourth where you scored eight points in a row, I think, and then you follow that up by drawing and save and, and dishing to Rudy to send him to the free throw line. Is it kind of poetic at all that given everything that's transpired over the last few months that, you know, it comes down to the two of you making those huge plays at the end? Yeah, I mean, hopefully that kind of stops y'all from talking about it, to be honest with you. Um, I think at the end of the day, you know, we make, we're basketball players who go out there make the right plays. He did a hell of a job today. I try to find my way and find guys and get open. And I think for, for me, it's at the end of the game, uh, it's making the right read. You know, I, I've told you a thousand times I'm trying to, you know, become a better passer and better playmaker as a whole. And I think just being able to do that in that situation, I think just shows that the steps I'm trying to make. And, you know, he made two free throws and just trusting him and him trusting me. Uh, I think that's the end. That's really what it is. And it's not even just me and him, it's everybody, you know, making the pass to uh, to Jason in the corner, although he missed, Mike trusting uh, Royce on the go and catch. Like there's so many different things that we're able to do. But yeah, kind of, uh, he had the first two points, you know, and for that to end it, I think, you know, I kind of, should kind of seal everything as far as talking about all that extra stuff. Okay, um, next question we have from Malika Anders, ESPN. She's there with you. Um, yeah, um, you know, we all had a play, we had a players meeting, um, as everybody kind of at our hotel and the kind of branched out to everybody else. I think, uh, the biggest thing was just 
finding something we can all do together. I think uh, I got to give Matisse Thibault his credit. You know, he was the one that said we should do something around the Black Lives Matter, Matter science. I got to give him his credit for sure. And I brought it to them and I was like, look, this is what we want to do. And, you know, credit to everybody that was a part of it. We appreciate the support because, you know, like I said, you know, the game was great. We won by two, but at the end of the day, Breonna, Breonna Taylor's killers are still free. There's so many different things that we can honestly talk about. I'm going to continue to talk about Breonna Taylor because uh, that's near and dear to me. You know, I played, obviously played college basketball there, but, you know, continue to, to make it, on, keep it on the forefront of people's minds. You know, and I think they want, want to do something as well. And just being able to bring that to them and being able to do it uh, just showed how collectively as a group and as a league, we're going to continue to keep that on everybody's mind. Yeah, I was just curious, from a historical lens, I mean, you have Mahmoud Abdul-Rose being punished for not standing during the national anthem. Sorry. You've not made Abdul-Rose being punished for not standing during the national anthem in 2017, with Mark Tatum reiterating to people that the national anthem is something you must stand for and help players know. And then now you go back to Silverstein, he isn't actually going to enforce that 1981 rule. What do you make of, of that change? I think, you know, we've grown. You know, I think we've, uh, we've understood, I think it's, it's, I look at Cap, you know, obviously, um, I think I look at Cap as a guy who kind of got really hit hard for that, you know, and now to see how far we've gone from that, you know, just shows the progress, but it's it's not enough. I think we need to continue doing more, and and I think it's on us as players to go out there and use our voice, use our platforms. I think the guys who are at the top, obviously, you got LeBron, you got Kawhi, Katie, Steph, like CP, those guys have done a great job of allowing everybody to feel free to go out there and speak out. And I think just ways like this, you know, we we know how both teams are renewing today. They, I believe, they did the same. I think we're gonna, like I said, continue to do that and continue to speak on it even in the interviews and every chance we get, whether it's on social media. And then you look at guys like Drew Holiday, Patty Mills, being able to give their salaries to, to, to don't, like donating their salaries to black businesses or whatever it may be. So I think it just shows that guys all around want to do something and for us as a league to come that far to be able to kind of be on the forefront and be like, look, this is what we want to do. This is what we're going to do. We're not really asking for permission. I think that's, that's pretty special. Okay, unfortunately, this is all the time we have, so thanks, All right, Donovan. there you go. That's uh, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan uh, finished tonight with 20 points on 6 of 14 shooting. Uh, coming up next, we'll give some thoughts on what we just heard. want to remind you to go where love takes you in the all-new, completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback, available now. Mark Miller Subaru, the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz. Learn more at markmillersubaru.com. Your final, the Jazz beat the Pelicans 106-104 to right here on the Jazz Radio Network. Jazz game night post game show right here on the Jazz Radio Network brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation free Subaru retailer. 106 to 104 is your final. The Jazz beat the New Orleans Pelicans. Jake Scott, Patrick Kinahan with you. And uh, PK, we heard a little bit from Donovan Mitchell. We've heard from Coach Snyder as well. Both uh, you heard Donovan talk about uh, his connection with Rudy there for the what turned out to be game-winning points, that uh, great uh, dish to Rudy where he got fouled, and Donovan kind of said, well, maybe this will uh, silence the media about that relationship for a little while. I hope so, because it's about basketball now. It's not about their relationship. You know, I thought it was overblown to begin with, and it's about playing winning ball. And when you're out on that floor, that's the only thing that matters, man. The other stuff doesn't matter. And I don't know how bad it was, their relationship anyway. I think it was more basketball. I know the virus thing exasperated it a little bit. But they moved past that. That was 
right at the start, right? So that's yeah. four or five months ago. Crazy. And it is about winning ball now, and that's what they're doing. That's what they did. So in that way, you can say, you can argue today, right now, as we speak, their relationship has never been stronger. Yeah. I, I'm sure you and DJ had a similar conversation in the morning, but Gordon and I talked about this a lot. Both both players have a lot to benefit from the relationship. You know, there, there's a lot of mutual interest when it comes to those two. You know, they, they're players that don't overlap. Their games don't overlap. They can really be complementary, and, and both could get paid a, a, a ton of money from this franchise right here. So they both have a, a lot of reasons, PK, to, to function on the basketball court. And as we've talked about so much, you know, friendships off the court, I, I guess, are nice. But, uh, you know, to your point, it's, it's winning that matters. And if both of them win together, they can both benefit substantially. Yeah, I don't know if you notice, if you've ever known, but I, I used to like to watch the Lakers of the 80s. and <laughs> Never. <laughs> I never knew that about you. Uh, there was some conflict uh, later on with uh, Shaq and Kobe, as we know about. Well, Magic Johnson has been associated with the Lakers, you know, since 1980. And he said, hey, if you want attention, you want glory, all these types of things, you want money, whatever it is you're looking for from the positive perspective – the best way to get it is through winning. Yeah. And that's what makes the difference. So that's why I never thought that this relationship was going to be that bad because you're right when you say that, that they complement each other and they need each other because they help each other achieve each's individual goals, which are to win. And if your individual goal is not to win, then I don't want you on the team anyway. I don't care how buddy-buddy you are. Yeah. It's about winning. Yeah, I, I think you're totally right. Speaking of your Lakers, <laughs> speaking of your Lakers, PK, <laughs> they are currently leading the Clippers, 33 to 20, and and I love I love this. This feels like normal doing a doing a post game for a Jazz game with another game up in the studio. It feels it feels good, PK. It feels like we're back to living a little bit. Yeah, uh, we uh, are absolutely. You know, it's not at the Staples Center where I guess both of them would be playing as if they played each other. But the thing that I was impressed with in game one, and really to an extent the preseason, or I keep calling preseason the scrimmages, and we're seeing it right now in game one for the Lakers and Clippers, is the competitive nature. That's what I want. That's what I want from pro sports. And if you don't like LeBron, you're just going to love that last possession because he just put up an air ball. Yeah, that was rough. That was was a brick. (laughs) All right, let's uh, let's check out your points in the paint. Brought to you by our friends at Serta Pro Painters. Call 1-800-GO-SERTA or visit SertaPro.com. That's Serta with a C. We do painting, you do life. Points in the paint tonight, PK. Jazz outscore the Pelicans 56 uh, to 48. And uh, especially in the second half, and you hit this uh, right on the head at halftime when we were talking about the Jazz taking 23s, that maybe you see if there are some other options there. And uh, they went to the line a ton because I think they made a real concerted effort, especially in the second half, to maybe get a little momentum and not quite rely on the three as much. Yeah, I think that's where I got to give the credit individually, specifically to Jordan Clarkson, because he was so determined to get to the basket. And he is a strong guy. Oh, yeah. He's shifty. He's got a ton of moves. He's not necessarily flamboyant. You don't see him come down and throw down a dunk or any of that stuff very often. 
but he has the ability to get to the basket, and that's what exactly what they needed. And then that took the pressure off a little bit because the lead goes from to a deficit, it should be, I should say. New Orleans lead goes from 12 to 6. Well, you have a six-point deficit with a quarter and a half to go. You're in the ball game. Yeah. We've seen that. I mean, they were down nine at the start of the fourth quarter. I think they maybe eight or nine, and they come back and win the ball game. So I think Clarkson set the tone of taking it to the basket, and it takes the pressure off a little bit. And then Mitchell picks up when Clarkson maybe runs out of gas. They took him out. I'm surprised they didn't put him back in, but they took him out, and then you see Mitchell take over offensively, and then you had other guys fill in, and they seemed to make enough plays. Obviously, they made enough plays to win the ball game, and that's what it's about because when you look at this as a team, you know, their margin of error, margin of victory, however you want to look at it, uh, yeah, I don't know that it's going to be all that much. I don't know they're going to be blowing out quality teams. I'm not sure they're capable of doing that, particularly without Bogdanovich. So they're going to need these contributions from so many guys. And they got contributions from six guys tonight. Well, Tony Bradley, you put him in there too, sure, sure. From at least from a scoring perspective. But obviously Niang, he didn't make a bucket. He was 0 for 6. He needs to pick it up. And Moutier... Moutier looked a little rattled, I thought, in the first half, and I'm not even sure he played in the second half. I don't know if he did. I don't believe he did, no. Yeah, and so he needs to settle down a little bit because his role is not – I know they go with the four-guard offense, but I don't think his role is to come in and just start chucking it up like crazy. I'm not sure that's who he is. So do what you're capable of doing, and maybe he'll settle down a little bit. But that's the extent of their rotation and certainly they're going to need those other guys to play well off the bench. Real quick on on Clarkson, uh, you mentioned his moves. Uh, how about the a little post game we saw for him where he was just uh, from him where he was just cooking Josh Hart. I mean, he didn't even stand a chance. I mean, it was basically an automatic bucket. And the the post game is not something we've really seen from the Jazz hardly at all this year. Bogdanovich a little bit. Uh, and Clarkson a little bit in that ISO, but boy, that that really could be a weapon, especially in those with the the bench unit where they just need buckets to stay afloat. Right, and you have Rudy Gobert out of the game, so Tony Bradley doesn't need to be right under the bucket because he has a little bit more range. I don't know where we're actually going to see it, but he has it, so that creates a little more opening under the bucket. And you had. Clarkson taking advantage of it and it's not like outside of favors that the Pelicans have a lot of shot blockers on their roster yep yep no doubt about it all right it's your jazz game night post game show Jake Scott Patrick Kinahan uh, with you the jazz win tonight 104 106 over the New Orleans Pelicans go where love takes you in the completely redesigned 2020 Subaru Outback available now at Mark Miller Subaru the official Subaru partner of the Utah Jazz learn more at markmillersubaru.com coming up we'll have the assist feature uh, for you we'll get to tonight's master of the glass as well it's all straight ahead here on your jazz game night post game show on the jazz radio network Rebound Conley. Jazz will have the final shot. Shot clock went off. It should, it shouldn't have. It's at 10. Five-second differential because the shot only goes to 15. Donovan's working Holiday behind the back. Drives. Gives it off to Rudy. Steps through. Foul at the rim. 6.9 seconds left, and Rudy Gobert will go to the line. Here's Gobert's second free throw. Nice. Pure. Rudy puts the Jazz up 106-104. Inbound to Ingram. Let's get it. Working the right side. Reddick comes to the ball. Ingram keeps it. Three for the win. Rattles out. Rebound. Jazz win it. 106-104. All right. You heard Locke with the call right there. The Jazz moved to 42-23 and on the season. Welcome on back. Jazz game night post game show brought to you by our friends 
at Mark Miller Subaru, Utah's only negotiation-free Subaru retailer. Uh, PK, let's get to the assist feature, proudly sponsored by Larry H. Miller Dealerships. Throughout the Utah Jazz season, Larry H. Miller Dealerships donated $50 for each assist to Larry H. Miller Charities. We are driven by you tonight. The Jazz with uh, 17 uh, assists as a team. PK led by Donovan Mitchell's five. Mike Conley added four. Royce O'Neal with three. Jordan Clarkson with three. Uh, 17, not a huge assist number for the Jazz. We're used to seeing them get a little bit more. PK, I wonder with the the um, the increased pace and kind of more shooting off the dribble that Coach Snyder's talked about, if we might see those those assist numbers actually be a little low here in this return to play. Well, a couple things. Your point's well taken, and then they couldn't buy a basket in the first half, and in order to have an assist, you got to have a bucket. True. <laughs> and so they didn't have that. But, yeah, I see what you're saying there. I think my first inclination, feeding off your comment, is it probably has more to do with the lack of the ball going in in the first half. Yeah. And then also, too, uh, when Clarkson's on the floor, he tends to dominate the ball, and so he he can't get an assist to himself. No, he cannot. Uh, And the Jazz, you know, this year have not been uh, a real high assist team. PK, they've been averaging 22.2 assists per game, which is good for 26th in the league. So... Um, you know that's that has not necessarily been their their strength uh, or uh, of this year's team. So 17 uh, tonight, even for a team that doesn't uh, average a whole lot of them, that's uh, that's fairly low. But uh, that might be uh, partly uh, because of your guy PK Joe Ingles, who of course is the assist leader on the team. He only had two tonight, and uh, Joe I thought had a really uh, much stronger second half than he did a first half. Well, Joe was charged with trying to stop Ingram when Ingram had it going on, and then when O'Neal's in the game, he guards Ingram, and then Joe has to chase his tail constantly trying to keep up with Redick, who just never stops moving. So I thought Joe, uh, a yeoman's effort there because they need him out on the floor, but he might have been a little gassed because when you're trying to guard Redick and try to lead an offense – and how much gas do you have? Yeah, that's tough. Because Reddick just never stops. I would have said to Reddick, if I'm Joe, hey, I'll slip you 100 if you take a breath here, man. <laughs> I mean, the guy's just constantly moving, and Joe's got to chase him. Now, he knows all of his moves. He's been doing it now for a number of years, and they're actually friends to a degree is what Joe has told me. And so that takes a lot out of you there to be able to do that. And Reddick had it going on there for a while. Yeah, he did. And and they run Reddick off a bunch of picks, too. I mean, Fighting over picks is is not easy. I, I totally get your point with Joe. And, and speaking of Reddick, let me ask you this: Locke, um, toward the end of the broadcast, talked about how uh, Brandon Ingram has not been terrific down the stretch. And, and tonight, uh, shout out to Austin who passed this stat along to me. He was one of six in the fourth quarter, and he didn't score in the last seven and a half minutes. I mean, he, he obviously did not have it going in the fourth. I thought that they might give that last shot to Reddick because he did have it going, and he's JJ Reddick after all. But what do you think about this, PK? I would have, uh, and I know Zion's coming back and they're easing him back into the lineup, but at that last possession, I would have been tempted to give it to Zion, play for overtime, and just let him go out there and run somebody over. I mean, was the, the Jazz the had, he was not. No, he no, was I not. No, I think they, they had settled on the minutes and they weren't budging. No, they weren't. But Did but you? anyway, no. My my ultimate point is the Jazz hadn't, and I don't think they're going to be alone here. But they had no answer for Zion. They they had nobody who could match up with that guy. Who who do you match him up? Royce spent some time there, but he outweighs well, Royce, Royce is, by yeah. by fifty pounds. He outweighs everybody. But I think Royce is probably your best bet there. 
and find a way to make them work. Bogdanovich has a little more size, but still, he's going to give away a lot. I mean, he's just a nightmare matchup Crazy. because of his size and his bulk. I mean, I'm not sure we've really seen a player like that. It'll be interesting to see as he gets older how much he can maintain that weight and the weight doesn't become an issue because he is really, really big, particularly as he gets older because you saw LeBron, when he got older, he went on that diet that one summer and dropped a bunch of weight, and that's what he's been since. And I think that's part of the reason why at 35 he's still – very close if not right there at the top of his game certainly he's at worst the second best player in the league and i think a lot of it is because of the way he keeps himself in shape and zion's going to have to do that because as you get older you know you naturally you can put on some more weight so it'll be interesting to see how he manages that situation well the other thing lebron did uh was continue to get better from a skill standpoint so as some of that uh, you know, weight came off and maybe some of his athleticism. I mean, LeBron's obviously still uh, incredibly athletic, but maybe as some of that left him as well, he, he had all that skill to fall back on and you didn't see a, a fall off in production. So Zion uh, needs to continue to get better as well. But the, the best comparison you mentioned, uh, have we ever seen anybody like him? Uh, no, we haven't. Because I would say the closest we've seen is maybe Charles Barkley. But was was Barkley as athletic as Zion? And plus, Zion, I think, has ten or twenty pounds on on Barkley. Certainly, when he came into the league, and Barkley's only about six four. Barkley was right. a, somewhat of a marvel, being able to do what he did at a relatively short height. So yeah, I mean, there's been some guys who've been fat, that but they're not effective. I mean, we could throw in Sean Camp later, and uh, maybe maybe Jokic here before he lost the weight. Uh, but he's a little bit taller. So a player like Zion with that type of weight, that's what's going to be interesting to see how he manages that. But, no, nobody really jumps to mind because even Carl Malone, who was just chiseled, chiseled as chiseled could be, doesn't didn't look like he was that big as Zion is. You know, this is just a funny thing that pops into my mind every time I see Zion Williamson play now is Carlos Boozer. Remember when Zion got hurt at Duke and Carlos Boozer sent out a tweet uh, saying, you know, get better or whatever it was and tagged uh, Zion's National Park? (laughs) 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 I always think about that now when I see Zion Williamson. I do, now that you said that, yes. (laughs) So funny. All right, uh, let's get to the Master of the Glass, uh, PK, brought to you by Safe Light Auto Glass, the local vehicle glass expert. They're back for the NBA's return and uh, still the preferred auto glass partner of the Utah Jazz. Safe Light Auto Glass is also proud to present this year's Master of the Glass rebound program at the end of the regular season. Safe Light will donate $5 for each rebound secured by this year's team rebound leader with all proceeds going to benefit the neighborhood house. And, of course, your master of the glass tonight, as usual, Rudy Gobert, who had 12 rebounds, uh, two of which came on the offensive side. PK, you know how many times Rudy this year has not been the master of the glass? I think it's like twice. I mean, he, there's there's no question that the team just leans on him uh, for rebounding. But give a lot of credit to Royce O'Neal tonight, who scrambled up nine boards of his own. And uh, speaking of Barkley doing it at 6'4", you know, Royce O'Neal isn't much taller than that. So, uh, you know, he deserves a nod for for hustling and getting those boards because you know, outside of Rudy, the Jazz really don't have a very strong rebounder, especially with Ed Davis out of the rotation. Oh, not even close, yeah. So they need Royce. Royce is a junkyard dog, man. He's just a garbage man. He's cleaning up whatever he can get. And you need dudes like that on the team. And I thought that his play in the second half was very spectacular for what they needed out of him. And he did it. 
and you know he's never going to get the plaudits from anybody nationally in this league but he does a ton of the dirty work and he had a very much a significant factor in this team's win you know, I heard you talking about him on your show, Was it maybe it was yesterday or a couple of days ago, where you said you thought some of the offensive production uh, that needed to be made up from Bogdanovich might come from Royce. And, and I had thought similar to you, and you talked about how in the scrimmages that doesn't appear to be the case. And, you know, he had 12 points tonight, 5 of 11 shooting, 11 is a lot of shots from him, uh, 2 of 7 from 3. Uh, which maybe he makes one more, but that's about what you'd, you'd expect uh, from Royce. Uh, so 12 points isn't bad, don't don't uh, get me wrong, but I thought your point uh, was a good one. And because Royce is going to be relied on, he already is relied on to do so much. I mean, we're talking about rebounding for a guy his size. Well, he had two steals, three assists. David said uh, he is fourth in the NBA at guarding the other team's player with the highest usage rate. You follow me here, PK? Yeah, Basically, he yeah. spends... His whole night on the other team's best player. Which, yeah, that's usually. I mean, in the old days, we would say the best player. Yeah. But but now it's you know he the player with the highest usage rate. I mean, we we've, we've got to stat it up and get technical. But yeah, that that's uh, what would you say uh, technical for guarding the team's yeah. best player? Yeah. Right. Because that's usually that you, those usually go hand in hand. If not, you're going to have a coach who's getting fired. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> if your best player is 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 you know fourth on the usage rate uh, uh, stat, you're probably not winning a whole lot of games. But but is it fair to uh, you know expect him to score a, tw- a ton of points when he's he's his energy needs to go elsewhere? Maybe. We might have lost PK. All right, well, this will give us an excuse to move on and do another feature. Let's move on to the three-point takeover, sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union, helping members achieve their financial dreams for more than 80 years. We knew uh, the Jazz were going to come out firing from three, which they did. They took 23 pointers in the first half, only 14 threes in the second. The Jazz shot 18 of 34, 23.5% from three tonight. Uh, They were led by Donovan Mitchell, who was two of four. Uh, Mike Conley was two of seven. We mentioned Royce O'Neal, two of seven. Joe Ingles tonight, one of three. Uh, from there, uh, it was a little rough. George Niang, 0 of three. Jordan Clarkson, one of eight. Uh, Manuel Moutier, 0 for two. Uh, as PK pointed out a little earlier on in the show, one of eight uh, from Clarkson is actually, it, it's kind of an interesting storytelling of his game because in the first half, it seemed like he really settled for that three and uh, did not have a good first half shooting the ball. In fact, he was minus 23 at the half. He ended the game minus 15, but his second half was so much better, and it was because he made a, a real determined effort, it would seem, to to get to the rim, make some easy ones, and, and kickstart his game that way, and he certainly did. He ended up leading the team in scoring with, uh, with 23 points tonight. In fact, uh, tied with Brandon Ingram for the game's overall leading scorers. They both had 23. He did it on 8 of 17 shooting, which turned out to be a, a, a fairly efficient night considering how he started in the first half. He also added five boards, three assists, and two steals. So Jordan Clarkson was just uh, absolutely uh, absolutely fantastic tonight. Uh, PK, uh, yeah. we just went over the three-point takeover, and, and you hit it uh, – you hit it at halftime. The threes weren't going, and maybe they need to try something else in the second half. Tonight was a win that was not about the three ball. They won in spite of it, not because of it. Yeah, and I think that's a great sign. I alluded to that earlier, that they find ways to win. doesn't matter how you win. doesn't matter if you win beautiful. doesn't matter if you win ugly. None of that stuff matters. That's why it was a real gutty win because, 
lot of people are down on the Jazz without Bogdanovich and, you know, wondering about Mitchell and Gobert. And so the way that they did it, it was almost like it was better than if they just cruised because they really had to dig deep down and they were down most of the game. I mean, it just seems like they led twice after the first couple of minutes. <laughs> I mean, and that was right at the end there. And so battle, battle, battle. That That's the type of... That's the type of win that I can really enjoy because if you're just making shots, all right, great. Everything's dropping, and it's just one of those nights. You know, we saw once we saw Rodney Hood. Did he score 30 points in a quarter once or something? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he just couldn't miss. And so, yeah, anybody can look good then. It any D, doesn't call it DJ, but Jake, <laughs> anybody can look good on their wedding day. It's how do you look good, you, you know, when you wake up camping three years later, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So, sure, you look good on your wedding day, and that's when the shots are falling. That's your wedding day. But this was a camping trip here, and they rolled out of that tent. They didn't look so good right after uh, the first couple minutes, but yet they stayed with it, still found a way. And the great thing is, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think the deficit ever got more than 12 or 14 which, you know, if you're in the fourth quarter, that's one thing. But if you're in the first half, there's plenty of time to come back. And so you really didn't see a sense of panic, and that was good too because this is a, you know, they got a good mix of young guys and veteran guys, and the young guys got experience. You know, Mitchell is a young guy. O'Neal's got experience, but they both played a lot. So there's no reason for them to be rattled by virtually any type of thing that goes on in the first half unless you're down by 25-30, but that wasn't the case. Yeah, no, it wasn't. All right, 106-104 is your final. The Jazz beat the Pelicans. Uh, you can always tweet at me, at Jake Scott Zone. We were talking about a comparison for Zion. Our friend TJ tweets in, what do you think about this? Larry Johnson. Grandmama. Grandmama. Uh, that's, that, that's decent. I like that's that, too. Decent. That's not bad. And Larry wasn't necessarily tall either. And if you remember his first, it was either his rookie or his second year. I mean, he almost won the slam dunk contest. So, I mean, he had some he had some athleticism. Right. There. And also, they were both paid an enormous amount of money to go to their respective colleges. <laughs> yeah. And didn't, uh, wasn't Larry Johnson's only loss his last year at UNLV to Duke? Was it at the end there? Yeah, I think they uh, weren't they undefeated going into that uh, what, final four game. I think it was. I'd have to look that up to make sure on that. That's so that's where I just rely on my good boy DJ because he just recalls that as if it was he was looking at it. And then if not, you hear him start typing on the computer during the show as he looks everything up. He does, and I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. Can I not to not to uh, sell out our boy DJ, uh, but he might be the only person I know that that types with the one finger you That's know what correct. i mean the yeah. the the what how do they call that the the chicken peck type style and and hey don't get me wrong dj can can type quick it's pretty impressive how he can do it but he might be the only person i know it's that, because he that didn't take that. journalism classes i think he was a poli sci major and i know at arizona state which has the the best journalism program in the country you had to to, to get into the program you had to type a certain amount of words per minute before they even let you in Really? At the, at the old Cronkite? You had to, had you had to, to do a typing test? Had to get 40 words per minute. Really? They let you in taking the, uh, all the classes that you needed to take. And me, I practiced, practiced, 
and I got 40 right on the button. Right on the nose? Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> right there. It said, boom, hit it, I'm done. That's all I needed. I got it. If you told me 45, I would have given you 45. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, all right, PK, let's uh, let's uh, get some final thoughts out of you as we uh, kind of bring this show to a wrap. Give me a couple things that stood out that uh, you're going to be talking about tomorrow morning and that uh, we're going to be talking about it until game two on Saturday. Well, certainly we're going to talk about that they're back and they're 1-0. and And I think that they – I don't know that they necessarily needed it, but maybe to a degree, I think to some people that they may may have felt this way, but they proved that they can win without Bogdanovich because he's been a mainstay, and I think he only missed a couple of games all season. And I felt that they could have – my thought is whatever success when they get to the postseason that they ha- would have had with Bogdanovich, I think there's enough talent there that they could have that level of success without him, meaning if they were going to get beat in the first round, well, obviously they can get beat in the first round because they've already uh, acknowledged or uh, sealed a clinched a playoff berth, so they're going to get in the first round. But if they could advance to the second round with him, I still think they could advance to the second round without him. And more evidence of proof that you get, more proof that you can get, builds the case. And, and especially the way they won, too, could you, because they can, they know that they can play a thousand times better, but yet they still won the game. Now, they didn't place the, play, play the best team. We understand that. And the schedule, you know, they get the Lakers, uh, what, on Monday? Is that what it is? Yeah. And, and Oklahoma City, I think, is a tough team. I think Billy Donovan deserves a great deal of credit and, and all those guys, really, because, you know, they lost a couple of high-profile players here in the offseason, but it's not like they've totally fallen off the map. So they'll face another test on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, they, absolutely. You know, one interesting thing about this, PK, uh, you know, the true, the Pelicans weren't uh, the best team in this thing, but there are no bad teams in this bubble. Like, every game is going to be difficult. You mentioned Oklahoma City, even the teams on the outside looking in, which the Pelicans are one. I mean, uh, Portland is is a really tough team. Uh, any any of the potential first-round matchups for the Utah Jazz in the playoffs, they're all good. They're, they're, one interesting thing about this is how much ground can a team like New Orleans make up because there's no guaranteed wins out there. They, I mean, how many of, of the Pelicans, I have to look at their schedule, but how many of the, their uh, games are they going to be favored in? One, two? I mean, it's... It it'll be really interesting to see how this plays out because there's no there's no gimmies. I mean, even yeah. your uh, even your Phoenix Suns, they could well, be a tough out. A, I've always been a Los Angeles Laker fan, so don't assign Forgive me. The me. Suns. I'm sorry. <laughs> Forgive me. I don't think they're going to be a tough out though. I think that's the one team that sucks. Well, and then on the other side, I mean, Brooklyn's obviously not and trying to win any games. but Brooklyn would be. Those, those were my two teams that I was going to mention. And the Wizards might be too far out of it. Uh, so so maybe they end up mailing it in, although Bradley Beal is pretty motivated. Hey, I mean, he can, go off for 40, <laughs> yeah, he can go off for 40-50 any game now, and, and he gets the green light. There's no point in passing it if you're Bradley Beal. But the, the truth is, I mean, all these teams are good. I mean, that's the exciting part about this. All All eight of the Jazz games are going to be competitive and interesting and against a good team. I would agree with that most definitely. That's why I think they need to have some positive results, and they got it on a night where I could argue overall, not for stretches, but for overall, B minus. Okay, sure. B minus, and you come away with a W. Absolutely, yeah. that's something to feel good about. Now there were 100%. stretches that it were high. I was higher. Also, stretches that it was lower. 
But overall, over the course of the term, if we're going to take the uh, education parlance, that to me it was just a, a B minus effort. I believe that they they believe and they know that they can play that much better. I mean, to your point, right down to the end, where Rudy, of course, made those those two free throws, stone cold, never a doubt, just just sank them. But what was it, thirty seconds, forty five seconds, a couple of possessions before he turned it over, trying to dribble it up the floor. So, yeah. Which, my gosh, I wanted to reach through the TV and strangle him. At no point is that ever going to work, Rudy. Do not dribble above the top of the circle on the other team's basket. Don't do it. Don't ever do it. So coming up tomorrow morning, DJ and PK, make sure and tune in. Uh, 6 to 10, they're here every single morning. And PK, you're going to be helping me out on Saturday. That is our next broadcast for this Utah Jazz team. They take on the Oklahoma City Thunder in the bubble in Orlando at 1.30 on Saturday. Pre-game will begin at 12.30. PK and I will get you ready, take you through halftime and uh, post-game as well. Lock and Boone will uh, we'll have the call. Your final tonight from Orlando. The Jazz beat the New Orleans Pelicans 106-104, to and you heard it all right here on the Jazz Radio Network.